Hi, and welcome to Drinking with Creatives. It's like hot ones, but for alcoholics. My name is Jeremy Berger, a documentary filmmaker and editor. In each episode, I chat with a professional creative. We have a few drinks, chat about life, the work, and the world. We got a special little episode today. Lenny from Nice Shoes and I had such a good time, he decided to bring the entire staff. Today, I'm speaking with Lenny, Justin, Jason, Paul, and Sal from Nice Shoes. We are emulating the fabled whiskey tasting that Nice Shoes had up until the COVID shutdown and take some time to discuss networking, community, connections, and doing some damn good work. Take a listen. All right. So this is obviously an unusual setup because this is the first time I've ever done multiple parties uh, at once. So let's start with, uh, with Paul and just do a quick round table. Tell me who you are, where you're from, and what you're drinking. Uh, my name is Paul DeCames. I'm the marketing director for Nice Shoes. I'm drinking Redemption Bourbon. Excellent. Jason, tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Jason Farber. I'm the uh, head of production at Nice Shoes. And uh, I've got a couple interesting things here. But right now in my glass, I've got something called Jefferson Ocean. Ooh. Which is a total, it's probably a total gimmick, but it's a gimmick that's good enough to sell me on it. Supposedly, the barrels of bourbon were put on freighters that were uh, going from China to the United States and were aging over six months uh, at sea. And supposedly, the rocking back and forth of the ship against the barrels does something to it. It's probably bullshit, but it makes it feel like it's easy. <laughs> hey, first of all, that bullshit adds $5 per bottle in cost, okay? So, <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. All right, Letty, how about yourself? Uh, I'm Lenny Mastrandre. I'm the uh, head of color, colorist over at Nice Shoes. And uh, I'm drinking a little Basil Hayden straight bourbon whiskey. Gorgeous. That's what I'm drinking tonight as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's jump right into it. Because this, what we're doing tonight is based off something that you guys started. So who wants to talk to me about that? Um, yeah, I can kind of tell you what we've been up to the past few years, um, slowly damaging our memories and building up networking connections. Um, gotcha. So at, at Night Shoes, uh, over the years, I think one thing people have always known us for, in addition to our great uh, work, is our parties. We used to have... I think when I started, we were doing barbecues every other week on our rooftop. Uh, We would have 300 plus people come through those. It was crazy. It was fun. Um, But then a couple of years back, we kind of got challenged to do something a little different. Um, Sal Malfitano, one of our colors, had found a uh, site that was offering up a subscription to different whiskey bottles. They'd send you a different one each month. It's called Taster's Choice. And so we signed up for that. We found a couple other people who loved whiskey. Uh, Jason Farber, Lenny, Justin, our managing director, and a few others. And we're like, okay, we'll all invite some different people to come share this bottle of whiskey with us. And it'll just be a cool, low-key thing. And the first one ended with just a few of us sitting around our coffee table None of the people we invited showed up, but we we had a very nice bottle of scotch that night. Um, but since then, it's really grown into something where 
up until the, uh, we all went into quarantine, we were having anywhere from 50 to 100 people coming through our studio each month to try different whiskeys and network. And they all had to share the one bottle that we got from the subscription service. <laughs> we would serve it to them in teaspoons. <laughs> so wait, were they coming there for the networking or were they coming there for the booze? A little uh, bit of both, I think. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, but on our part, I think it kind of started very organically, just internal, and then it kept growing and growing. And I think that the question you just asked was a really big reason why, because I think it was uh, definitely a large part for the booze. People were really excited to be able to try all these different whiskeys at one time that they don't really get the opportunity to. But it also turned into kind of just like a meeting place for us to meet lots of uh, people in the industry, but also for them all to meet each other. Paul was only kidding before when he talked about the single bottle. No, we, we Paul started upping our ante and we had a bunch <laughs> of bottles each night that we went through. I think we were up to about a dozen an evening, right? We pretty much would clear out the whole dozen. Yeah, we'd go through a dozen an evening um, in the past two years. Great. And it, it went through a wonderful evolution because Paul at some point decided that each um, bottle should have a description laid out before it. So he printed them up, you know, talking about what hints of, of this and that they had in them. And it was really nice because it wasn't just a, you know, a blank taste test. Um, so, and then we, you know, we split things amongst rooms as well. Right, Paul? Yeah. I mean, basically uh, you go into nice shoes, you go into most, creative studios and you know there's a layout of different suites and you know part of getting people to work with you is you want them to, to meet the people and see the space so we would kind of break it up um you know put scotches in lenny's room bourbons in another colors room um put rye in our our vr suite and then when people would come through the door you know whoever is free whether it's me or jason or one of our salespeople, they kind of like notice those people coming in and kind of give them a quick lay of the land and let them know which whiskeys they could try and wear. Was there a pattern to where you put the drinks in whose room? Like why was the rye going in one room and the bourbon? Was it just to divide the drinks or did, was there an overall theme? We had themes occasionally, um, especially as it evolved, we were, we would uh, kind of go out beyond the whiskeys. Like we had a beer night where we let Lenny curate the menu. Oh, excellent. And I know Lenny loves <laughs> that Belgian beer. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> my um, room even had a, a uh, has a little beer fridge in it. So uh, my, my whiskey night always was whiskey and some very nice beer as mm. well. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah, honestly, we, we would just kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of a frantic changeover at the end of a day. You're trying to wrap up all the, supervised client sessions that are going on because you're trying to transform the space mm -hmm. into a networking space and you know we couldn't do that without jason and his producers keeping everyone organized or without um our pas and assistants just getting everything moved out of the way and and set up um so really it would come down to okay we've got this room freed up put the scotch in there this room's freed up put the rye in there and so on or there were the rare occasions where it was, this room's freed up and, oh, Lenny, I've got a session for you. 
okay, get everything out of this room <laughs> and I'll be working for the first hour of the party. <laughs> also, but, dividing it up like that really, you know, gives a good icebreaker for people to chat about something because you walk into a room and it's all scotches and it automatically gives the people in that room something to talk about. Did you ever find that people would stay in the rooms, like possibly pass their welcome? Did it, did like the scotch room start to maybe reflect people who just by appearance alone, you're like, you know what? That's a scotch man. Jeremy, I'm not telling you how to do your job or anything, <laughs> but I think the question should be, did we ever not have to get people, kick people out? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you asked a question, my man. Go ahead and give me that answer. <laughs> Yeah, it was quite frequent. I mean, honestly, for the most part, people are, are really good and respectful. We're all in this together. We're all in the same industry and people want to network and be respectful about it. But, you know, when you put a lot of high percentage alcohol in a place, there's always going to be people that are having a little too much fun. I would like to go ahead and offer you guys my services as a bouncer. I'm very nice, but I'm also a very large man should these events occur again. <laughs> I work for one bottle of Basil Hayden a night. Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. We'll have to just pull that one aside. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just, just a little dip from the pot. Um, so listen, because I've been to a few of the Nice Shoes barbecues uh, several years ago. I mean, like this networking thing that you guys have been cultivating, like how did that start? Were you guys around for the start of that? Like how did this uh, begin? I was there right from the beginning and, and Jason was pretty close to right at the beginning too. And, uh, and, you know, it used to be a thing in the industry. You used to have gatherings, uh, you know, Paul was talking about gatherings of, of 300 people, but, you know, I remember days when we would have, you know, 600 plus people over the course of an evening. Um, and, and it was a little, it was a little wild and you joke about bouncers, but we really at one point did have to get bouncers, um, to, to keep everybody in line. And, and, you know, there was a rare occasion people had to be escorted because, mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think maybe there's been an evolution in the industry and I think people are becoming a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe more adult about the whole thing and not getting blasted out of their minds like they used to. Uh, I think it used to be a little wilder when, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you agree, Jason? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that there hasn't been anybody in the last several years that have showed up in a Superman costume with cape and ran around the place pretending they were Superman in the middle of July. <laughs> okay, so, first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry about that. It was one <laughs> evening. I had a lot. Sorry, Justin is joining us now. All right. Oh, can I do that again? Hi, Justin. Hello. Hi, this really is a nice shoes party. You were, uh, you were working and now you're joining us. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> so, well, Justin, before... Now too. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, you know, before he gets in, Justin, tell us who you are, what you do, and what you're drinking. <laughs> uh, my name is Justin Pandolfino, Managing Director at Nice Shoes. I just ran downstairs to grab myself a Johnny Walker Black Label. And I've got a, I know this is whiskey, but I got myself a special beer beer here, which is a Dogfish Head Campfire Amplifier. Uh, oh my it describes God. itself as a milk stout brewed with graham crackers, 
cinnamon marshmallows with cocoa powder and vanilla beans added. Oh my god, that's I incredible! I have to find that. I yeah. just found Lenny's new favorite beer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we just got done talking about a guy running around nice shoes party dressed as Superman in the middle of July. Was that you, Justin? <laughs> it's not somehow i think i've missed that <laughs> and you know the idea we have sal here hey sal how are you i'm all right jeremy how you doing man i'm doing fantastic i'm going to give you the same runaround tell everybody who you are what you do and what you're drinking i am a uh, sal malfitano colorist at nice shoes uh drinking a very nice oh that's oh. good manhattan whiskey boys Nice chunky bottle, oh. and um, that's it. Taking it into phase two of the day. <laughs> I, 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 I'm terrified of what phase three looks like for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Sal, Justin, we, ju we jump in here. We've just been talking about the uh, history of networking at Nice Shoes and, you know, uh, kind of the, you know, importance of that sense of community. Uh, give us your take on it. I mean, it's definitely at the core of just – I mean, it's at the core of what we do, really. I mean, networking. I mean, we're in, I always say we're in the people business. So mm -hmm. meeting people, having fun with people, being able to, you know, just spend time with people and get to know each other and see if there's overlap in what you do. And, you know, just. Yeah. It's all about relationships. Yeah. I mean, it starts and ends with relationships or service business based on creativity and spend long hours with, with your clients and, you know, fellow artists, you really need to develop those relationships so, so that it's an enjoyable time. And, uh, you know, nice shoes. We've always had this incredible roof outside and we've kind of built our, our marketing plan around having as many people over as often as possible to enjoy the warm months, which we try to stretch as long as possible on the front and back end of that. Uh, we it, we went through one year where it seemed to rain no matter what date we scheduled the party. So, you know, we're comfortable with having a little action inside as well. We've talked about the action that's been happening on the inside and it's, uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to edit some of those comments out. Uh, looking at you, Jason, yeah, you, you, you got, you got real, uh, you got real salty there for a second. Um, so let's, you know, one of the things like I, I've always liked to talk about, especially when I, I talk about networking on this podcast, especially considering how many creatives uh, end up talking about is how difficult sometimes creatives find the process of networking to be or how intimidating it is. Because, you know, having 300 people, like you were saying, Paul, together in one place and able to talk about it is a great thing. But I got to tell you, I remember my first networking event outside of college. I went on a two hour just straight up meet everybody I can. And afterwards, having only had maybe one or two drinks in me, so perfectly clear and reflective, I understood that I just spent two hours telling absolutely no one about myself, but I knew everything about everyone else. So tell me about what is, what is, you know, give everybody like maybe some tips I would imagine about what it would be like to, you know, or how best to talk about yourself in a reasonably constructive manner so that, you know, people can network more effectively. Like, how do you guys talk about yourselves? I mean, I, I think a lot of the times for us, especially as a host, we'll use the whiskey as a icebreaker. No. <laughs> that, but, you know, it kind of, especially, you know, for those of us who really like it and 
uh, are kind of going through and experiencing a lot of the whiskeys ourselves for the first time, you get that excitement and it lets you loosen up a bit and tell the, the new people you're meeting about something you've just discovered. You're really excited about it. And, you know, that opens up so much more comfort, opens up the conversation more so than just kind of coldly walking up to somebody. Um, even if you're at somebody else's party, you know, you can kind of latch onto those things like, oh, these are great shrimp puffs over here. Have you ever had shrimp puffs this good? And, you know, that can really just be your way into getting past the awkwardness of, you know, throwing right into your, who you are, what you do and who you work for. Yeah, Paul's a booze mastermind. I I, re, I remember his wife. Shout out to Crystal. Also owns a blog called Chris Tales about cocktails. So, Ooh. just a little little free promo for for there, Paul. But Paul Paul had one room once that had beer that was aged in bourbon barrels and bourbon that was aged in beer barrels. Oh. I, I just remember the the amazing repertoire of there. And, and it was just an icebreaker for anybody. So I think that's a good example of what Paul was talking about. People go up and they grab a whiskey or they grab a beer and they don't realize how carefully planned that room was. And uh, it's just an interesting conversation. It's a, it's a funny way to start a conversation once people realize that they're in the presence of booze greatness. Yeah, you can't go wrong with bourbon or any whiskey to just start a conversation. Yeah. But even for people who aren't, you know, naturally networking i've got my little my personal thing for networking is i always i mean especially with the nice shoes events where there's you know some of the same faces come and go and whatnot i always try to meet two or three new people during an event mm -hmm. and reconnect with two or three new people that i've already already met once or twice mm -hmm. and i find that that's like you're not not yeah, too I much pressuring yourself to do that if you've kind of done that I think that's that that works for me personally. I think just keep it, you know, manageable. You get some and goals in front of you. A lot of faces that you kind of, you know, you start building little friendships and relationships. It's a, it's a it's about opening opening new doors and still maintaining the ones that you have as well. You know, a lot of these people uh, they're not simply clients to us, they've become friends of ours. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got some of my closest friends are in this industry and they were my clients at one point. They still are my clients, but they're still my, some of my closest friends. I was just going to say the same thing as Sal. One of the first things to, to the story we heard opening this up, I think everybody goes out and tries to, you know, meet everybody as pot. When you're young, you, you want to go around and talk to everybody and you go for quantity, but it's really more about quality. I think mm -hmm. somebody once told me when I was younger, if you, you want to try to aim to have one new genuine connection each time you go out. And if you're if you're building a career, that that really compounds quickly, uh, and then you start getting introductions from those people, and soon soon it's difficult to meet to only meet one person when you go out. So that's a that's a that's a real good advice, I think. And then the the other thing is to just follow up. Follow up is is you know you the whole purpose of meeting people when you're out is so that you can follow up and, and start a relationship. So. It doesn't end that night. You have to make sure you go home and send that follow-up, which is quick and easy, but it means the world. Great. Justin, I'm so glad you opened that door that I'm now going to shove you through. So what does that follow-up look like, man? Oh, just a, a, a short email. I mean, mm -hmm. a couple sentences via email or 
a LinkedIn connection or, you know, some social, whatever your social media platform of choice is, but just a few sentences. It should, and it should at least have one genuine thing that you connected on in that conversation. So it's not just a, a form, you know, message that, that has no meaning. It has to, you know, you have to remember something you, you had a conversation about and reflect that back. That's fantastic. On um, Farber there too. I'm, I'm sure he has some, nuggets of wisdom to share no i mean i just i think that everything that you're saying is kind of spot on like for me personally uh i'm perfectly good at talking to 50 people at these events but i'm absolutely atrocious at remembering 49 of their names so uh <laughs> i definitely agree that um you know if there if you go if you keep it kind of get into like really try to get into like really in-depth, interesting conversations with a few select people. And then you, you do a lot better at like remembering all those details that cause you're, cause they're genuine and, uh, and it helps a lot. I agree. I, I think the, the really, the heart of it really is just be yourself, just be yourself, you know, and you're going to meet some people that you're going to really connect with and you're going to meet other people that it ain't going to be so much. And, that's completely normal and but over time like justin said you just average out that just you'll have a greater pool of people that you have things in common with and that you have more of a genuine kind of rapport with and you know follow their careers i mean as colorists and artists you follow them and it's our follow-up is just you know tracking what they're doing and you know having being part of the community and showing your support by, you know, liking their work or helping them out on their work. And it's a, you know, to do it right and to do it well is a slow, it's kind of a process. It takes a long time. And we're still learning it too. <laughs> and it may have started over a glass of, Hey, what are you drinking? Right. <laughs> I think my favorite follow-up is going out to the diner immediately after we close down Nice Shoes. Which we've done think, many a time. Well, hey, you know you got a good start to a relationship there. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What's this diner? Uh, I mean, the last time we did it, I think it was February, we went to... Um, oh, my God. Is that the night we went to Sarge's? Sarge's? Yeah, Sarge's. Sarge's. <laughs> yeah, I think we... I don't... I think I got home around 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning that... Ooh. Yeah. There yeah, was no there were no projects the next day for me. So I was good. I was fine. <laughs> Better in tip too. Clean your schedule the next morning. <laughs> if, you, if you can have a noon start time, that 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 makes the nighttime a lot more possible. Absolutely. You have to keep an eye on your schedule for the next day. Yeah. You know, it's funny talking about this. I, I know a great deal of people who live who exist in industries outside of the, like the creative services, uh, whatever form that takes. I, I, you know, obviously ours is like broadcast and advertising, but you know, even people who come from the fine arts backgrounds, um, anyone who exists outside of that, however, has a completely different view of networking that is sometimes a little bit more rigid because they're depending more upon uh, resumes than relationships. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I my, my father is an engineer. He's, he's a wonderful man. Uh, but he, man, I try, I try and tell him that I don't think I've gotten ever a single 
look at my resume for the jobs I've been hired for and, and, and his entire worldview is just, is, is, is shattered. And I, and I, and I feel sorry. And I don't know what to say to the poor man. <laughs> Talk to me. What, did you guys ever have that kind of revelation for you? Or did you like finding out that like how relationship based our industry actually is, was that a surprise to you at any point? I saw that pretty much from the moment I first walked into a room. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work with a colorist. It was a long time ago. And it was all about a social interaction. Um, and without a doubt, he was a smooth talker. Um, mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt, uh, he was more adept at it than the other colorists at the facility I was working at. And he was the most successful of them all. And I don't think that he was any better than anyone else from a colorist standpoint. But his social game was wonderful. Um, and people remember the things he would say, the phrases he used all the time. And they knew all about him and all about his social life. So that's how he managed the room, um, you know, and, and he found common ground because he talked so much about what his interests were. He found common ground with other people as well. Um, and that's how they developed their bonds. So from day one for me, I saw that going down. I think, for, I think one thing that I want to throw out there Maybe it's kind of the opposite uh, of what you were saying, Jeremy, but mm-hmm. um, I think one thing that was like a little bit of an eye opener for me is you have these events and going back to your like quantity versus quality th- uh, comment, you know, trying to just meet everybody in the room. Um, you have all these events and they go really well and you're having a great time talking to tons of people. And at first, when you're younger in the industry and you're doing this type of stuff, I think that you like, or at least I shouldn't speak for everyone, but at least me when I was getting started, I thought that everybody was like, not my best friend, but you know what I mean? Like we were, we were getting a lot close. I was becoming close with everybody I meet and then you do a reach out and it's going to turn into a job and this and that. And then over time you start to realize that, you know, you get close and you have like real genuine conversations with a few specific key people. And a lot of people are, you're going to be hanging out with, they're just there to get some free drinks, but you got to really find the genuine relationships that you build. And those are the key people that are going to turn into like, not only friendships, but also great working relationships. Yeah. A handshake and a superficial conversation isn't going to network, isn't going to provide the level of relationship that is going to move the needle in, in terms of getting work in or building a client relationship or anything like that. It, it really is connecting on a, on a, you know, a, a genuine level and, and, and enjoying that conversation and the follow-up and, and the repetition around it. You know, it's, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a point in time. Yeah. I think like, uh, Lenny was saying, like people who become friends and even if they're not people who directly drive us work, they are people who think well of us, who respect us and we respect them and they can point other people to us or in turn, you know, we can point people to them. I think, um, you know, one of the areas that's really symbiotic for us is with music and audio companies. We have a lot of them that uh, will come through our events and, you know, they'll ultimately be people who kind of help spread the word out and get additional potential clients to come through. Guys, I don't want to call bullshit on you, but it almost sounds like you're saying being decent, good human beings is almost kind of a good business strategy. 
Oh, we can curse on this podcast? <laughs> Fuck no, you can't. I can curse. I'm the host. It's the only reason I do this thing. No, I'm kidding. Only if you're genuinely a good person. If you're a shitty person and you try and be good, it's it's a lose-lose. <laughs> like, you got to be yourself. That's yeah, right. If you're a shitty person, you got to own that shitty You got to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love that guy. Love that shit guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a shithead, but I love him. I can't explain it. I've known some people who are like that, and they were very successful. <laughs> well, again, this is this is this this is a thing I turn around and try to tell to people in the in the business world, and they just they're 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 confused and shocked, and the idea of chaos envelops them, and it's it's wonderful to see uh see the confusion enter their eyes. Um, Okay, so you're right. I mean, we're we're very lucky to work in this industry that's so different than so much of the structured kind of corporate type. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure that those networking environments are just they probably are more stressful and different. Just because of the the type of people there, you know, we're in a creative industry. You tend to have certain personalities that are just oftentimes just easier to kind of cut through you know it's easier to get to a bit more genuineness but you know well you know what on that point i I can speak directly because like i said i've 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 just crashed and burned at so many different networking events and a lot of times i do that i feel like because i end up rehearsing lines because i'm convinced i need to tell somebody i need to communicate to them this one particular uh scenario and i feel like a lot of people fall into that trap whereas you put me in a room and we want to talk about beer and whiskey. Well, then you're good. I'm good. I'm good. Speaking of which, I might need to refill pretty soon. Good Lord. What's happening here? Hmm. <laughs> what are you? Oh, you're on Basil Hayden's, right? I'm on Basil Hayden. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's a good one. It's really, really good. It is. I, I'll, I'll say this. I, it's personally, it's one of my favorite bourbons. It really is. Well, let's let's uh, let's jump back into that real quick. Um, where did everyone discover uh, their love of bourbon and/or whiskey? And I don't mind beginning. Um, years ago, I, I uh, my wife and I had been uh, going to a bar pretty regularly, and I am a huge at the time. This was before I started making beer. I was a huge Guinness fan, still am. One of the greatest beers in the world. Um, but it's also only 4% alcohol, and I'm a big guy, so it takes me about three hours and, I don't know, $100 of Guinnesses to kind of get myself into any other state of mind. So I started drinking whiskey. Then we go to Dublin, and I go up to the bar, and I order, uh, and this is in Temple Bar uh, in Dublin, and I order a Jameson on the rocks. I'm pretty sure the bartender was contemplating how to kill and bury me uh, <laughs> when he served up a Jameson neat and it tasted like a caramel candy it tasted like a werther's original candy and every single whiskey i taste uh after that is just trying to get back to that initial taste and ever since then i've just found a love for bourbon and whiskey and all the amber liquors so tell me guys where where did your love affair with this amber mistress begin i don't know i wish it was it was a clean cut story to tell you that was a good story yeah (laughs) Thank you. I think it was an evolution. I've I think mine, mine came from, uh, I'm sorry, Sal. I, I think mine came from via Paul and Justin. I think they were the first ones who handed me one, that, uh, a whiskey that I really enjoyed. Before that, you know, 
that probably the things I had had were cheaper and not as refined and nothing to, uh, to fawn over. So. Yeah, I think my evolution started in college. Uh, I went to Hofstra and there was a <clears throat> liquor store that uh, didn't ID and uh, it was easier to get that than beer. So yes. me and my friends would get different rot gut uh, whiskey and vodka. Um, <laughs> but then later on, as, as I ref, you know, became a more refined gentleman, um, I started getting into, uh, I think bourbons, especially at first, I think they're a good entry level cause they're, they're a bit sweeter and smokier. Um, and you know, I'll give credit to Justin again. Uh, he was the one who really opened up, um, my palate with, uh, Lafroig. Um, I think one of the first times I had it, he, uh, Jason and I, we all last minute went to South by Southwest after our creatives who were supposed to go got booked onto a job and we were hosting an event down there and just getting ready for it to start. And Justin was like, here, try this and put LaFroig in front of us. And, uh, that was a, that was a game changer. I like to put LaFroig in front of people because it is so aggressive. <laughs> so so he, Justin either corrupted us or educated us. Is what it is saying. not the pain of heart. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the one foot by one foot plot I have in Scotland at the LaFroig distillery. They, they just renewed it or something. I got an email about it about a week or two ago. But wait, know. wait, 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 what? If you join the fan club, more free publicity. If you join the fan club, you get a one foot by one foot plot in their peat fields. So to I, bury your corpse? One day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's some dedication to a brand, man. Well, you're supposed respect. to be able to go over and visit, and I will do the Scotch tour one day. But uh, yeah. As, as far as I know, I have a one foot by one foot plot over there. I have the certificate to prove it. I mean, they kind of have to like bury you like upright. I right. would imagine that's 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 confusing to me. But you know what? Well done, well done. I'm, I'm, I'm looking you. forward to getting a Justin flavored Scotch. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say it'll be my ashes, but it will be a delicious Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, please call it, please call it a uh, Soylent Green. It's going to, that's just going to be incredible. All right. So, so Justin, you're the subject of conversation right now. Why don't you hit up everybody uh, with the whiskeys they should be tasting? Oh man. I, I mean, I'm on the spot. That would be mine. I was like, I was like, I'll, I'll let everybody go. So I have, a, I have a chance to think about it. And then Paul brought that up. That that's my, my brand right there. Okay. Okay. I, Jason, how about you? Oh man, there's so many, but uh, I think that for me, um, probably the the two that are my go-tos that I think people probably don't drink as as much uh, as I do. I guess um, uh, on the Scotch side, I'm a huge Talisker fan. Um, I think that uh, you know Lafroig and McAllen and Glenlivet and stuff are are like the big names, but Talisker's got that little bit of like saltiness to it that I just love. Um, and then on the like whiskey bourbon side, I, I love rye. It's a little bit drier, um, not as sweet as bourbon. And uh, I think that um, 
Bullet Rye is one of my favorites. Agreed. That's one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Lenny, hit us up. Drop that. Knowledge. I don't know. I'm, I got, uh, you know, I, I haven't tried as many as these guys have. You know, I've, as we talked about before, I've got that uh, Knob Creek upstairs, which I really enjoy. I usually keep that on hand. I always keep some Wood, Woodford Reserve as well. Mm. Um, those are really big for me. Uh, somebody once bought me a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue, and it was too much for me. I just didn't enjoy it as much. In fact, that we had a barbecue at my house, and the guys came over. And uh, I whipped out a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue, and they're like, oh, my God, you guys are treating, you're treating us really well. I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pour you a little bit more. I need the shelf <laughs> Here, space. take as much as you want. In fact, I got some left for the next time you guys come. <laughs> awesome. You get, I, I was able to do a little a little research while Lenny was talking, I, and I forgot. Paul actually got me a bottle of Pete Monster. That's a yes. really nice smoky one that 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 is high on my list. Uh, Bowmore makes a nice smoky whiskey. Bowmore is good. Yeah, yeah, that one's awesome. That, that's a good one. And then at, at AICP every year, Matt Miller gets one of his buddies to come with uh, a nice little whiskey. I don't even know if I want to tell people because it's kind of like a secret to some people. Some people like congregate there, but they they always have a whiskey tasting center, uh, and and they they have some good smoky whiskeys there. Uh, I think the Oban Fourteen was the one that got me the last time. I'm I'm a Balvenie guy. That really was my. That's the gold standard as far as entry level. You want to get somebody into scotch. That's the perfect gift. They've that bottle, you know, it's a beautiful bottle. It just kind of speaks scotch. It's got the label. Um, that is my go to, but old Pulteney, there's so many good ones. Um, Dalwini. I, I really got into scotches hard for a long time. So I definitely got into that for a bit. But uh, on the bourbon side, I'm definitely, I'm with Jason. I'm, I've gravitated more toward the ryes that are a little less sharp and sweet, mm-hmm. but, um, and Mick, there is bullet and I, Jefferson reserve. If you guys have had that, that's also, oh, that's, yeah. I, I love that. Actually. Yeah. That's a really good. I mean, that's just so many good ones. You just go to a liquor store and it's just, it's like Toys R Us. <laughs> Toys yeah, R Us the... for adults and alcoholics. I love it. Love it. <laughs> Paul hit me up. Um, yeah, I think I started with the uh, Redemption Bourbon tonight. I love all their whiskeys. They're they're really good, nice and smooth. Uh, good price point too. Um, Ancient Age is a really nice one. Um, I think you can get that for like twenty dollars or under. Um, that's a really good bourbon. Um, Laphroaig, of course, Pete Monster. Um, right now, I'm drinking Taconic Distillery Double Barrel Maple Bourbon. <laughs> um and that sounds got, dangerous. It is delicious. <laughs> it's like drinking maple syrup that burns. <laughs> um, maple syrup. Johnny Walker Green was the jam for a while until they discontinued it, but I, I think they may have uh, reinstituted that one. Is that the blend one? That was the single malt blend. It was just a blend of single malts. It was really, it was awesome. It had the complete single malt flavor, but it was super smooth. It was really good. Oh. It was, it was not popular, and then it got popular, and then they just killed it. 
but um, it may be making a comeback. High West Campfire. I'm that just... one is like a merger of a bourbon lover and a scotch lover. It, and it just smells like what it, what its name is. It smells like a campfire. You taste it. It's really rich and smoky and sweet. It's I think it's a blend of scotches and bourbons. It's really good. I have to say, I haven't had anything that I dislike from the Hudson, uh, what Sal's drinking tonight. Those Hudson, all those Hudson products are delicious. I can say that we had one whiskey night that... There was this one French whiskey. Oh, I was waiting for someone to bring this up. (laughs) It was, I pretty much drink anything. (laughs) This was the worst whiskey I had ever tasted. It was so bad. And I had just gotten finished having a conversation with Paul about how bad, how much, how terrible it was. And then cut to immediately after a few hours, we're hanging out on the roof of nice shoes it was a nice summer day just talking about whiskey and lenny pops in just raving about how amazing this french whiskey was from last night <laughs> <laughs> what was it the 12 year pepper lip you it was bread <laughs> <Bren. laughs> the 12 listen i enjoyed it i enjoyed it I've spent 20 years trying to get my wife to drink whiskey and, and we've gone down the, the flavored whiskey route, which is sacrilegious, but whatever it takes, we've tried the ginger, the chocolate, the honey, the maple. Uh, for me, those fall into a similar category as what we're just talking about. But uh, I think it's a, if you, Jeremy, you don't mind me asking a question. Sure thing. Uh, as we're talking about what Paul prefers, Paul actually flavors his own whiskey and brings us to whiskey nights a lot, which adds a nice dimension to things. Uh, so I guess an interesting question would be best flavored whiskey. Oh, I like that. And Paul can speak from the, the perspective of one who has made one as well as tasted them. And I'm going to want to talk about that making one. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Okay. But please, Paul, take the floor. Yeah. I would say a lot of the ones are are kind of risky to try. Like you get into that fireball area of just basically drinking uh, windshield wiper fluid. Um, yeah. Whoa. But honey bacon is always good. <laughs> but bacon. when you, I, I guess some of the ones that like are actually using the natural flavors are nice. Like the one I'm, I'm drinking right now is good. Um, there's a, a ginger one. Um, I'm forgetting the distillery, but um Justin, do you remember that one's name, the the ginger one, the ginger bourbon? I don't. I I have it downstairs. I could but, I could get the answer for you by the end of this podcast. But that one's <laughs> nice. But so like you you kind of, like a mass produced thing. You get into a thing of it really tasting artificial and kind of like the candy area. So, um, yeah, I'd gotten into infusing a while back, and so I I started bringing them into our our whiskey nights, and actually. Um, Becca Falborn, who's uh, the EP at Sound Lounge, uh, she used to be on our our team as well, part of our client services team, and uh, she would get into making the infusions too. And really, it's just kind of picking what you want that whiskey to taste like. Um, You want to kind of match 
a flavor to your base whiskey. Sometimes it's better to start with something cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll normally go for something like an ancient age or old overholt rye. And then, you know, just add a pound of bacon and put in a coffee filter. So you're not having to sort out all the bacon grease later. Um, or adding, uh, you can take like some really nice, uh, winter seasonal, like Christmas teas and add those. Uh, you just have to put the tea bag in for a while and you just basically take a kind of $15, $20 bottle of whiskey and turn it into something that's way richer and flavorful. So you don't want to take a hundred dollar bottle and drop some jelly beans in it. No. no. You, mean, uh, you mean a Johnny Walker label? <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul. And a pound of bacon is a good recipe. Well, no, no. Because th- I believe that's actually a practice mainly. Um, I know it's widely used for the clear liquors like vodka and gin. It's called fat washing, whereby you draw out impurities that might have been present during the mash. So yeah, there's a long history. Like if you want to throw some animal fat and not to jump from that, but just jumping into the beer world for a second, um, there was, it's not widely available now, but a very popular bar, uh, beer in England used to be something called cock ale, whereby you uh, take an old dead rooster, you throw it into the fermenter, uh, the idea being that the gristle and the protein and the fat would actually uh, clear out the haze and the proteins that are naturally attracted to uh, to that. And uh, that's how they used to clarify beer with old wow. dead roosters. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, 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 by the way, I should go ahead and mention that I get very weird about alcohol history. Very, very, <laughs> very weird. Let's move on before I make this strange. <laughs> Have you guys had... Uh... On whiskey that hasn't been put in a barrel. Oh, naked whiskey? Yeah, no, basically naked whiskey. It's basically like grain alcohol. It's, it's clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that's like... Grain alcohol. It doesn't have the depth and the... It's a, it's a novelty. It's cool to try it out once no. it's Well, I, th- I think a lot of distilleries, and I could be wrong about this. Please don't quote me on this as I go ahead and put this podcast out for tens of thousands of people to listen to. Uh, yeah. But um, I do know because obviously to come by an aged whiskey, you know, a distillery has to go ahead and assume a good five years of debt at the forefront. So naked whiskey is a way for them to actually start to monetize in the same way that I know vineyards will put out either grapes or grape juice for agricultural uh, purposes, just to get some cash rolling in until they start making those like five-year wines, five-year whiskey, 10-year wines, 10-year whiskeys. Yeah. Um, There's a place in Rochester, Black Button. If you've ever been up there, I've. I, it's been a while since I've been up there, but I have heard of it. I got. I got some friends up there. I haven't had any of their stuff though. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, they do some good stuff, and they did. They did exactly that in the beginning. They did a lot of infused stuff. You know, um, just to get a couple of years in of just you know non-aged stuff, but they were clever about it, and uh, it's um, it's definitely worth checking out if you're up if you're ever up there. So, Justin, how do you feel about starting uh, in Nice Shoes Naked Whiskey? What do you I think? I the idea, but I'm thinking as you're starting, <laughs> you really got to condense that that startup period there and, and get past the pre-revenue. I'm putting that <laughs> in the pre-revenue period where you're hemorrhaging money. <laughs> We've looked at white labeling whiskey before. It just, yeah. you know, hasn't made it into the marketing budget yet. <laughs> would, you, would you call it Nice Booze? 
Hey, that's a good one. Okay. We'd have to like check with the the uh, Dwayne Reed people because I think they got like the nice in store brand. Okay, um, first of all, no one's gonna be buying Dwayne Reed whiskey. Uh, <laughs> I say that, but I'm in New York City and we have a huge homeless population. So, okay, I should probably not say that at all. <laughs> I think the answer to that question is we're gonna have to talk to our marketing director. Is he around? We'll workshop it. <laughs> so what do you guys think i heard a rumor um that the whiskey makers of you know 10 20 even 30 years ago never anticipated the market for whiskey that we have right now and that we're actually running out yeah they keep saying that over and over specifically with scotches because they have to age for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. um but at least what I read is that they're they're gonna they're starting to like the big Scotch distilleries are starting to do less of the like Macallan twelve Macallan eighteen and do more of like the Macallan with some cool name so that they don't have to be so structured in age. Macallan Turbo. Right. <laughs> Marketing rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's like you know, you know, Balvenie and a bunch of these other ones. They they were really smart. They they took the 10, 12 year, which is you know modestly aged, and then they did the Madeira cast, the the sherry cast, and that was such a brilliant brilliant way to you know spice up the something that hasn't been aged you know fifteen twenty years and make it marketable. And the Caribbean cask, they're awesome. They're really good. And I know a lot of uh. Other distilleries have gone down that route. I think Old Pulteney has done that, mm-hmm. where they've got four or five, you know, Madeira casks, sherry casks, port casks, and uh, they'll put them in there for like another two years. So, I mean, it's, I guess Can the I... older, the Scottish distilleries, they've just got more backlog of stuff to, you know, put out there. So, there are some before. very, very smart people who love alcohol. And whiskey, and they'll find a way to make it delicious for us. Oh, thank a you. Shorter period. <laughs> yeah, I think there's also the um, a lot of independent distilleries that probably s- sprung up around the time, you know, maybe like five, ten years ago when it was getting popular, who started making their own stuff. Uh, there's New York Distilling, which was started by some of the Brooklyn Brewery people, and um, you know they're at a point now. I I think they kicked off with gin, and now they've got some really nice. Um, rise that they've been doing so i think you'll like if there is any shortage it'll probably be offset by the independence at first and then it'll all probably even out or flavored whiskey who's the aor for balvini <laughs> good question well okay let's let's get into something that i think few people know or at least obviously have an opinion on when they start drinking whiskey uh preferred uh serving methods um scotch neat with this just a tiny splash of water that's that's the way i go you're purist sal purist purist (laughs) true sense of the word no no ice i like one cube man one cube cube i agree one cube i need a little chill yeah yeah one cube also are we talking because i i know that we also drink whiskey uh and for anybody who doesn't know this uh you know 
the glass uh, is it usually a rocks glass correct me if i'm wrong i don't know glassware that well yeah rocks glass is it rocks glass okay because i know that we also measure by fingers too yeah yep two okay so you're saying one cube of ice justin in two fingers oh i don't know i just keep pouring Okay, so he's using a pitcher. He uh, drops a he drops a cube of ice into his bottle. That's why they leave that little bit of room on the top of the bottle, so Justin can fit one ice cube in it. Right, exactly. Let's go two fingers in a cube. That's money. Right? And that's how much you're drinking, Justin, enough to make an entire company change their bottling platform just to allow you personally to fit an ice cube into it. If I could, I would, Jeremy. <laughs> I know the human kidney can only take so much. <laughs> And how about how about the rest? The ice cube is the giant cube one. That's mm. that's the that's the cube you want. I I agree. I got a, I got cube ice in my fridge. Uh, yeah, that's, fridge that's freezer. super important. I think actually. Yeah. Sphere. What's I that? Like, I I like the sphere ice cube. Yeah, I, those are good. They have not a lot of surface area. It doesn't water it down too fast. It's perfect. Adds a level of sophistication, right, Sal? Always, brother. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I have a spherical ice cube tray in my freezer as well, and they never come out right. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's just something we're all just going to accept, huh? Oh, just... I think you got to overfill it. You got to because it has like the little hole in the top of it, and you need to fill it through there, and just kind of fill it past capacity, and then just shove it in your freezer, and then deal with what you get but i think more often than not like you'll have some extra ice on top but you're going to get that nice sphere underneath it and to be fair after a half a serving of whiskey you're not going to care what the ice cube looks like That's that is true. true this is a note for everyone if you care what your ice cube looks like after half your drink you're drinking a terrible whiskey yes. <laughs> just write that down in a notebook somewhere um to it what's that Tattoo it on your body, just so you never forget it. Oh, good. That, that, that sounds like a smart idea. We've been drinking and now taking tattoo suggestions. This never ended well for, uh, never ended bad for anybody. We're just getting started. Back to Paul again. That's, That's what Memento That's was about. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there are some Bon Jovi Forever tattoos out there in the world that maybe should not have been. Everyone <laughs> mm. went. Okay. So what have we not covered about whiskey? We've covered serving. We've covered the potential shortage and how we're going to overcome it. Uh, give us some last notes about whiskey, guys. I think um, are a big thing that like don't don't really get talked about very much, but they add such an amazing. Uh, they make whiskey so dynamic, and there's so many different types of them. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing to try. Actually, we should do that at Night Shoes when we ever go back. Is do bitters have different bitters for our whiskeys. That's oh, a good that's, idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good I think, idea. I think for anyone, it's, it's just having an open mind with it. Cause, um, one hurdle for us, especially with the networking aspect was people who didn't want to try whiskey or they felt they hated whiskey cause they had bad impressions from another type. And, you know, we would have other, other things available like beer and wine and, you know, just seltzer and sodas around too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, there's a richness of things to try and you can even get into some crossover areas like we were talking about with the beer mm-hmm. and bourbon mixtures before. And I even had a really nice uh, white wine last year that was aged in bourbon barrels. So 
You just got to be open to those different flavors intersecting. And um, just because you had one thing and you didn't like it, you know, there could be another thing out there that's that's just the perfect one for you. All right, Paul, I'm going to piggyback on that. What do you think most people get wrong about whiskey who have never had it before? I think they've probably had whiskey in a shot. They probably had a pickleback. Mm. They probably had, uh, you know, Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. And those can be good whiskeys in the right settings. Um, but, you know, they're, they're used to it in the get drunk quick scenario. They're yeah. not used to it in the enjoying a whiskey scenario. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a payload carrier in the same way that chicken wings are a delivery system for blue cheese into my face. I get it. They're the fireball generation. Yeah. Oh, quality over quantity to bring it full circle again. Quality over quantity. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. People, people get into, into whiskey thinking about the college days, and, and you really need to, a, a, fi, a, a nice sipping whiskey where you're, you're letting it flood over the tongue and, and aerating it and enjoying that flavor is, is a, it's just, it's not even the same thing as shooting whiskey at a, at a bar or, or a college party or whatever, which is where most people, I think their, their perception of whiskey is shaped. You're right. So ideally in that scenario, Justin, how long should a bottle of whiskey last in your house? Oh, yeah. Paul's, Paul's laughing. Paul's laughing at this one. It depends how tough that week is. <laughs> and how delicious the whiskey is yeah it's, uh, that's secondary but yeah no that's a good good point i uh, i i would say two weeks two weeks wow. a, a bottle of whiskey if it's a delicious whiskey and i'm having a glass a night maybe more on the weekends that'll go two weeks okay for those doing the math that's that's 24 a year <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll go through um, probably two bottles during the winter months because when it's cold, that's when I seem to gravitate even more towards it, that warmth that you get from it. Um, but something, you know, another bottle lasts me for most of the rest of the year. Yeah, the same. I, I tend to gravitate to whiskey in the cooler months. Yeah, uh, It's not something I drink often in the summer. Mm. Kind of, I'll probably go to tequila or something like that but uh yeah but i think an important thing now is there's a lot of good whiskey and scotches internationally so if you're into that i i think getting into the i've had recently a very nice uh scotch from india which was surprisingly really? very good from india yeah man this they've they've got their game on it's good i know japan's got a good reputation for scotch and single malt there's I got a, nice a French Spanish one I can one. recommend for you. Is that a French one? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had a nice uh, Spanish whiskey, too, at, at a couple of ours. Uh, it's called Nomad. Oh. And we had our clients from Nomad over for that one, and they just were, like, over the moon for so you. amused by that, you know, that they had that crossover with them. Okay, so what? maybe we talk about something a little bit more... I hesitate to say esoteric, but we talk about uh, seasonal preference for whiskey. Like, talk to me about the environment you want a whiskey in. You're having a whiskey. Where do you want to be physically? Anywhere. I don't know. I, I, Justin, you have a problem, and we need to talk about it. Usually, <laughs> dark space. I don't know. Dark space. I think. Yeah. 
Sal mentioned yeah. the seasonality to to his drinking preferences. I'm whiskey, tw- you know, around the around the the, the year, year round, year round. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all whiskey, beer. That's my my area. I, I have to tell you, if I had a choice, I'm sorry, Paul. No, no. I I have to tell you, if I if I had a choice, I would rather do it with these guys in this podcast right now, anywhere. Because oh, we that. would just sit around and we'd have a great time just shooting the shit. Yeah, it's definitely whiskey. I mean, honestly, that's what got me to love whiskey was just the camaraderie of it. Just like drinking, listening to music and just shooting the shit, being funny and just having fun, really. This team here is, what, seven, eight months removed from sitting around and having a glass of whiskey. That That's hard to believe. That's that's actually yeah. kind of my next question. Like, how are you guys holding up? Because you had this incredible we call it a networking event, but let's call it what for what it is, a social event centered around whiskey going on since Paul remind me, I believe 2014, you said? Yeah, about then. So right after Sal had joined us, uh it was Oh, so Sal, it's all your fault. Okay, cool. Yeah, all his fault. <laughs> all his fault. <laughs> good Usually trouble, is. good trouble. So how are you guys holding up? Because uh, obviously you haven't had that in what, six months now? Yeah, we, we've given it a shot in some smaller settings. Uh, it's, it's tough to replicate in a remote environment. Um, and, you know, we, again, it's, it's, it's just not the same. Like you're sitting around, you're in the same environment, whether that's, you know, one of the, the rooms at Nice Shoes or on the roof. Um, you know, you, you inevitably hit an awkwardness of being with everybody over, over zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's tough to maintain the same feel. There's a, there's opportunities to explore both a physical space and to try the different whiskeys. And that's really tough to replicate remotely. You can't ship 11 bottles of whiskey to 30 different people, 50 different people, even 10 people that you're no, you're like blowing the whole marketing budget there. Uh, I'd love you if you did though. Yeah. I was going to say, this is, (laughs) I mean, I'm 12, right? (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Sorry, please continue. Sorry. Um, So I think what we've shifted to is we've tried to just stay in touch with, with key clients. Um, I think one of the things we've, leaned on um has been doing games online um you know doing the uh jackbox party pack has been pretty key in in reconnecting with people and playing games yes. with them Absolutely. um and you know yeah. even just saying like hey we're gonna catch up for a little bit and and not worry about what we're drinking or what we're doing um i think reaching out to people during all of this and letting them know that we're thinking about them has been really key. How are your clients doing, I guess, is kind of an appropriate question to ask. Is everyone okay? Yeah. I mean, the people I've talked, I mean, everyone's okay. I mean, we're all in this together. It's certainly, it's not normal. We're going through something very unusual and, mm-hmm. you know, nuts. Um, but I think people are, trying to get work done and being motivated and still care about doing good work and just keeping it alive. Really. You know, some people have had 
disruptions to their careers and stuff, but you know, they're going to be on the up and up as things pick up again. So I think it's just staying positive and just really continue to do what, what we do and how we do it. And not only that, just the same energy and try not to change too much as people. Cause that's the core of, you know, our business and ourselves and what people love about, you know, us and whatnot. So just, and I think a lot of the clients are, everyone's going through the same things in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my, that's my outlook on it. I'm, and they're I'm, all, they're all legal to eager to uh, get out there and create again. Yeah. Right. Advertising is such a close knit community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think some people had it easier than others when this whole thing happened. And, you know, certainly if you could work remotely, everybody who couldn't work remotely, like all of that live action production kind of pivoted to whatever could be done remote, like animation we talked about or editorial with, with uh, stock footage. And yeah, I, I think for the production companies, it was definitely the hardest. So mm-hmm. I, I just see everybody trying to make production come back and, and, and whatever needs to happen for the, the the advertising world to function as best as possible there just seems to be people pulling in the same direction to make that happen because we're all working together and it all affects us all and we're all a team kind of so i mean i know i think the best example for me is that there's a production company shooting out of nice shoes right now actually not shooting in nice shoes because that's illegal or or against building rules but doing remote production out of nice shoes right of course which Yes. which is something that we have as, as a habit just said no to in the past, but there's something special about trying to bring production back and, and doing what you can to, to help the industry get back on its feet. So and also to add to that, there's been a lot of like really cool, innovative stuff. I've been seeing some directors do some really just cool stuff with, uh, Unreal Engine and some of these new, you know, really yes, amazing stuff. So I, that stuff is, I think you're seeing there is in this whole thing an under like a level of innovation that will be very important uh, going forward. That's there's stuff growing now. There's there's stuff happening technologically, and not just because of this. There's, you know, with Unreal Engine, I, I talk about them because the stuff they do is just so amazing that there's this confluence of this thing happening with certain uh, te- technological developments that will, um, I think, will really impact what production looks like at the back end of this. Almost the way um, the last financial crisis was really happening as we transitioned into the digital realm. And a lot yes. changed. When we came out of that, some things were never going back. And that was, we're going to, coming out of this, some things are never going back. There's just going to be new things. And that's, that's awesome. I think it's part of the, you know, beautiful evolution of creativity and just life in general. Necessity <laughs> being the mother of invention? I think so. Yeah. There's really some really cool, you know, really cool stuff out there. Excellent. Excellent. Guys, I'm tapped out of questions for you. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Sorry, Justin, say that one more time. I just want to make sure I had that. I am buzzed. 
Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. The editor in me just caught a uh, skip beat on that one. But yes, yes. yes good, good. Um, okay, guys. So this is supposed to end, right, Jeremy? That's the whole point. That's what we're doing here. I'm telling you, like, well, no, I, I found out very early. It's going down fast, man. It's I'm going telling down. you, you guys, you guys are, yeah, God, you got me beat. Jeez. Cheers, fellas. Oh, yeah. You know what? Actually, let's say that. Cheers, everybody. It's on your OnlyFans. Awesome. Well done. This is great. Uh, so guys, let's, uh, let's, let's end this in, in the spirit that it, that it should be, uh, tell me how everything's going at nice shoes and, uh, how we can get in touch with you and see what's going on in the future. Lenny will tell you that I usually ask this before we start drinking, but I thought it was a special night. Um, I would say the easiest way is, uh, our website, niceshoes.com slash contact. That'll put you direct in touch with our team and deal with any of your needs. Um, we've got some great stuff coming out on our Instagram regularly. Uh, that's nice shoes online on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and all those other places, but Instagram where it's at. Um, and I'll let the other guys tell you about their individual social media handles. Cause uh, both Lenny and Sal are regularly putting out some really nice stuff on their own Instagrams. Sal, hit me up. All right. So, um, yeah, I like to put some stuff on Instagram. Uh, my uh, my uh, <laughs> my son's going nuts right now. <laughs> but, you uh, need to cut him off. He's had uh, too much. One more drink. It's phase three, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, Sal.Malfitano.Color. Uh, uh, we've got some really exciting stuff coming out. We've been, Lenny and I have been uh, double teaming some uh, pretty significant stuff that I we're going to be, you know, rolling out over the next uh, couple of days. So um, really big thing we've been uh, involved in and uh, just, you know, keeping busy and, you know, maintaining that quality of work that we've been doing. And that's pretty much it. Lenny, I feel like we've already done you, but you should do it again. We have, we have, you know, it just, uh, for Instagram, it's just Lenny Marchandrea. That's it. It's easy to, easy enough to find as long as you can get the spelling right, which is rather complex. It took me years to learn. Um, but yeah, Sal's right. We've got some really great stuff. Uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, populating our, uh, Instagram accounts, uh, uh quite a, quite a bit in the next few weeks. Um, not that we don't always do that, but there's, there's a plenty of stuff that we're backlogged on and uh, you'll see that coming very soon. Awesome. Awesome. Don't be afraid to slide into their DMS. <laughs> All right. So Justin, uh, now since you volunteered openly, uh, where can we find you? I'm on social media. I, I think I don't even know what my Instagram handle is to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, probably LinkedIn is the best one. Justin's I'm not, been drinking Everclear this entire evening. I, I, I'm on the business side here, so I don't have any beautiful visuals to share. So LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Justin, <laughs> Pandolfino. Fair enough. Jason, anything you want to throw in? Uh, yeah, I mean, my, uh, my email is the easiest in the business. It's just two letters, JF at Nice Shoes, if you ever need anything. Uh, no matter what it is, no matter what the budget is, no matter how crazy it is, email me and we'll figure it out. 
Or just hit me up in Belmore uh, in Long Island and we'll get some. Cool. I'm, I'm going to remember that at three o'clock this morning. Once I get through this bottle of uh, bourbon, I'll be emailing you, Jason. You oh, wow. I mean, it's going to be a phase three email. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a good night. No, it's, it's, guys, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a phase zero email. <laughs> that's, that's exactly, it's going to be a phase, absolutely a phase zero. Okay. You know, best time for clients to email me because I usually say yes to anything after a few classes. <laughs> I knew oh god they're just all the jokes oh i'm thinking of all the jokes nope nope <laughs> profanity is okay nothing of what i'm thinking is for this podcast just remember niceshoes.com that's the easiest thing we can get you any of these other things you missed <laughs> <laughs> well guys this has been absolutely fantastic and i am so looking forward to being able to do this in person again thank you coming thank you for coming on the show and um can't wait to do it again yeah. When we can, we'd love to have you by. Yeah, you need to come by for some whiskey, man. Okay. <laughs> Twist my arm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lenny, Sal, Justin, Jason, and Paul. For more from Nice Shoes, you can go to niceshoes.com or look in the show liner notes for Instagram links and whiskey suggestions. As always, please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And if you can, support us on our Patreon at drinkingwithcreatives.com. We'll have some announcements in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. Be well and drink responsibly.